gentlemen, welcome to The Warrior Life with Justin Mergliani. This show celebrates the warrior and every person walking the planet. My warrior life was born out of a battle with ulcerative colitis and now a permanent ileostomy bag. My charity, Checkmates Charitable Association's mission is to rid the world of inflammatory bowel disease. What are you a warrior for? Hey Chuck, how you doing today? I'm good, man. Like I'm really excited about your next guest. Yeah, the great Reggie Leach, former member of the LCB line, greatest line of Flyers history. The Riverton Rifle. The Riverton Rifle. And what are you guys be speaking on today? I'm going to talk about a lot of things. We're going to talk about hockey, his time with the Flyers. Uh, we're going to talk about the fact that he's uh, traveling around the country as uh, a member of the First Nations. Yeah. Uh, he is always spreading a message to uh, kids around Canada about the uh, seven grandfathers teaching, which is really important in his uh, heritage. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things I love about um, life after hockey, and you know, there's that great Moneyball quote that says, you know, some are told early, some are told later, but we're all told at some point that the children's game can't be played anymore. Right. And uh, and that's so true. And like, you know, what you do life after hockey if you're known as a hockey player is, you know, the wisdom that goes along with the Seven Grandfather teachings is really important. And Reggie Leach has really embodied that shift from life after hockey into helping other people, you know, get into their own skin and share their stories. And uh, and I'm really excited about having him on the show. Yeah, he's a really great person. I've met him a couple of times, and it's, I'm really looking forward to talking to him today. All right, so let's uh, let's get on with the interview. Sounds good. Hey, Reggie, how you doing? I am doing wonderful, thanks. Good, thanks for doing the show, I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have uh, former Flyer great Reggie Leach on the line with us today. Uh, so Reggie, uh, uh, tell me a little bit about your book. You have a book out called The uh, Riverton Rifle. Uh, tell us a little bit about the book. Well, the book itself is just uh, basically about my 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 life growing up as a kid and what I what I remember of it uh, for playing, starting my hockey and in my hometown of Riverton, Manitoba, and going through different stages of my life, uh, me as a teenager, as a, as a young adult, and uh, uh, parts of it is, is, uh, is um, you know, naturally about my hockey career and everything else, and, and what I did, uh, what I do, uh, what I'm doing after hockey. So it's basically, you know, as a, as a, as a youngster and going through my my uh, different generations of my life and, and uh, my different feelings of my life also, I guess. And, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, it's something that, uh, you know, it took a long time to do, and, and, and I didn't realize how long it was going to do a book. And, uh, you know, after all, it, it turned out pretty good. It actually, uh, it, did, it did a lot better than I thought it would do. It's, uh, you know, we were... Two, and I think we're number two in Canada about two or three times when it, we came out, and wow. and uh, and and it turned and to myself it 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 did way beyond what I would thought it would do. That's fantastic. Now, Reggie, where where can people find the book right now if they wanted to buy? But right it? now, it's it's probably in Amazon and and some of the some of the stores in Canada, Coles and stuff like that. I know it's not. Uh, you know, it's still around because people still send me books to sign and stuff like that. So it's, uh, you know, I did my tour a couple of years ago on on the book and that different different areas, and it, it was really great. Uh, some of the tours that we had, uh, book signings and stuff, it went went. 
it went great. And then now what I do today is that I give away, uh, as part of my speaking, uh, on my speaking tour, when I go to different communities and that, I'll, I'll uh, drop off X amount of books to each community and stuff like that. So it's a, the book itself is more of a, more of a teaching book and, and, uh, it's about life in general of, uh, you as a as a youngster of making the mistakes I made and the way I corrected it and what I do today. So, Reggie, uh, what what are uh, some of the lessons that you teach when you do a lot of speaking? I I've seen some of your uh, your speeches and I've seen a lot on Facebook of of the places you've gone. What do you try to get uh, to talk to the kids about? The biggest thing is I find is is. Uh, you got to tell the kids the truth. You know, you can't be, beat around the bush. I used to, I used I used to do that when I first started speaking and try to color code everything. And uh, but I don't do that anymore. And I you know I, I I speak directly to them. I tell them the truth of all the mistakes I made as a young person, as growing up as a teenager, and then growing up in Riverton, and mistakes I made in junior hockey, and mistakes I made in pro, and and how I changed it around. And uh, and those are the things that you have to teach the kids. You know, the the book itself is on, in my culture, which I'm a Ojibwe First Nations. Is I I speak a lot about uh, the book is based on uh, on the seven grandfather teachings, and and that's what I have learned since I came back to Canada 10, 12 years ago. I learned a lot about my own culture. I I learned about who I who I am and where I should have been, and 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 that's probably the best thing I ever did in my life was. Uh, when I uh, returned back to Canada to 12 years ago, so it's something that uh, that uh, I'm really uh, happy what I did, and, and things today are great. And, and, and talking to the kids in general, and you know, my son Jamie and I, we have a we have a hockey school called Shoot to Score program, and and that's one of the things that we do is that we teach hockey, and I have the opportunity to talk to the kids about life life choices and everything else, and. We tie we tie the hockey skills and and my speaking into into our programs and and when we do a lot of stuff for the kids so we try to keep them on the right track we try to get them to be uh, be responsible for their actions and by being on time and everything else but most of the time you know you got to talk to the parents the parents are the ones that drive the cars yeah uh, they're the ones that get them to the rink uh, they're the ones that are responsible to get the kids there on time so most of the time I. I bring that up to the parents when they come to the rink, and uh, you know I said the kids don't drive. It's you guys. If they're late, it's your fault. It's nobody else's. Right. So those are the things <laughs> I bring up. I, I'm pretty direct right now, so it's something that uh, uh, I think they need to hear and everything else. So yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I, I didn't know a whole lot about the grandfather's teachings. Uh, until I was preparing to do the interview with you today. Can you give us a little bit of information about what they are and, and what that means to you? Well, there's, there's, there's seven of them. And and without doing the first six, is, is, is uh, you know, you can't get the seventh one. And the, the, the six I'm talking about is humanity is respect, love, truth, courage, and honesty. And if you don't have those six, you cannot have the seventh one, which is wisdom. Mm. You gotta have you gotta have the first six to to get the seventh one. And right now is that I think over the years that uh, what I have accomplished, I ha I have I have reached the wisdom part of it. So you know, just because I'm an elder now and everything else, and and it takes a long time to to get to get to all all the 
teachings and everything else because uh, of, of what goes on in your life in, in general and you move on to one step to another. And, and those are the things that are part of life for our First Nation people is that the seven grandfather teachings is very important and to reach the seventh one is uh you know it's quite it's a quite it's quite an honor so it's something that that there's a lot of people we ha- that have have that but we need to work more on it yeah it seems like in the world that we're living in today other cultures should be adopting those types of uh teachings That's well i think it. that everybody has their own way of 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 uh reaching that that kind of goal but that was part of our first nation heritage and and, and that you know it's across the country and 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 I think it's very important for us as as First Nation people to to adapt to it and, and adjust to what we're doing and, and going on from there. And like you said before, what's going on in today's world is is uh, you know there's so much stuff going on right now that uh, I, I myself I think it's crazy. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, tell me, do you get a chance to get back to Philadelphia often, or is it periodically? Uh, just once in a while, once in a while when they have uh, a flyer event or a flyer alumni event, and if I get invited, I'll come down and stuff like that. And um, But it's, uh, you know, I, I get down maybe once or twice a year still. That's cool. So it's, it's still good. I still do some uh, book signings and uh, or, uh, hockey card signings. And uh, Bob Clark and Billy Barber and I, we do some card signings one, uh, along the way, uh, you know, maybe at least once a year, so which is good. You don't you don't get us uh, together too often, all three of us in one place. So it's uh, something that uh, when they do bring us in, it's always a big crowd. And it's amazing, Reggie. After all these years, you guys are still the most revered line in the history of Philadelphia. So it, you know the, the the whole city remembers that LCB line as one of the greatest lines in hockey history. Well, I think I think myself is that you know uh, we we had. Uh, Besides being a good line, you know, it's, a good line makes, you know, uh, it's a wonderful thing, but also being friends with with two important people in your life is is, is, is really great. You know, having Bobby Clark as a lifetime friend of myself, and, you know, I've known him since I've been uh, 16 years old, and getting to meet Billy Barber in 72, 73, and, and starting to play with him in 70, uh, 74, 75, and... And those are the things that, that last as a lifetime, the memories that you play with these guys and all the wonderful things we have done on ice. And, and you know, those are, those are the things that, that uh, we reflect back on. And, you know, uh, I still think that we're probably the, one of the top 15 lines ever assembled in the National Hockey League. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, those are the things that, that I'm very proud of, and I'm very lucky I got to, got to play with the two Hall of Famers. So. You know, Reggie... It's it's amazing sometimes uh, how you you see players click. I mean, everybody remembers uh, Gretzky and Curry, uh, you know, Trottier and Bossy, uh, Hall and Oates, and of course you and Bob Clark, especially uh, in the Philadelphia area, of course. But how does that happen? I mean, I, I we've seen combinations where you have two great players and. It just doesn't seem to work. When when Gretzky got to St. Louis, for instance, he didn't gel with uh, Hull. You would have thought that would have been an amazing uh, twosome. So how, how does that clicking work? I think it's just a matter of, uh, uh, I know with Clark, you know, I, I play with him in junior hockey, and uh, 
And with Billy Barber, I didn't play with him until he was in pro. But it, it's a matter of what you do on ice. Uh, you know, it's you know for me, it was easy to play with those guys. I, I was a shooter. Clarky was the guy that checked the hell out of everybody. And mm-hmm. Billy Barber was more of a uh, he was more uh, defensive player than I was. And so, and you know, and with him on the left hand on the left wing and everything else and and stuff like that, uh, you know, we just knew uh, we were going to be. Uh, we knew our habits. Uh, um, you know, we always had a thing that is that if Clarky didn't see us the first time when we went to the slaughter or whatever else, he knew that one of us was going to be there within the next two or three seconds again. So it was automatic for him that, that he knew one of us was going to go back in that same area. And those are the things that we uh, we probably talked about it on the ice and what we, what we wanted to do at certain times. And, and I know a lot of times, too, that with Bobby and that, you know, his... He was probably one of the best captains of all times, but he didn't really say anything. You know, once in a while, uh, he would come up to <laughs> Billy and I and say, well, boys, you know, we're behind 3-1 or something and going into the third. He said, oh, time to go to work. <laughs> and, you know, 90% of the time it worked, and next thing you know, we end up tying the game or winning it. So it's it's something that, uh, you know, he didn't have to yell and scream. He just had to, you know, uh, sort of look at you and... Uh, you knew he knew he uh, meant business, and anyway we went. So it's, it's something that uh, you you appreciate working with two guys that were so easy to work with. That's you know, I was, I was probably the hard one on there. Like I always said that I always tell Billy and Clarky, it wasn't for me on the right hand side. You guys wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. I said <laughs> only reason because because you two had to work a little bit harder than I did. So. <laughs> I, I think I heard one time somebody said that Clark makes the bombs and Leach drops the bombs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. Uh, you know, it's ironic, Reggie. I'm, I'm actually broadcasting to you right from uh, Pebble Lane, your old stopping grounds. I'm, I'm, I would have been your next-door neighbor in the 70s. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Right down the street from the DeChicos. Uh, I know oh, James right, close yeah. with them, yeah. Yeah, we were down, uh, we were down memory lane uh, a couple years ago when we were down there, and and uh, I took my wife Dawn down there and showed her where I lived and where Schultz lived and where the rest of the guys, a lot of the Flyers lived at that time. And, uh, you know, Ricky McLeish, and, uh, he only lived five, five minutes from us. Wow. So, it's, you know, we all lived in a little area, and uh, we were pretty pretty close-knit uh, a bunch of players back then. Yeah, that team was really, really close, weren't they? Yes. You know, it's, it's funny, a lot of... Uh, players who uh, go to other teams throughout their career, they don't seem to stay in those places, but they always seem to come back to Philadelphia. You know, for instance, we talked about Brian Pratt. Brian Pratt played in uh, Boston. He played in Minnesota. He played in Hartford, but he settled here. What is it about the Flyers family that brings people back here? I think mainly because of, I think the biggest thing was uh, uh, probably Mr. Snyder. Uh, you know, I think a lot of times that, you know, the players came back and, and we knew we, we could go to the games all the time. We were always invited to different functions and, and stuff like that. And uh, and those are the things that, you know, guys wanted to stay in hockey, so they got there and then maybe got a job with the Flyers and stuff like that. And But overall, it's it's the people of Philadelphia area and the New Jersey area and Delaware area is that they're so supportive of, of, of the hockey players and and on all the players that lived. I lived in Philadelphia 34 years. And uh, like I said, I moved back 12 years ago back to Canada. And 
And it was a great, it was a wonderful place. I had a business there. I had a landscaping business that I did. I worked with a with the company out of uh, South Jersey, and, and and it was a wonderful, wonderful place to be. And and the people there are, are uh, you know, even today they're still hockey nuts. And and especially with the teams from the last team that won the cup, they still recognize us. We're still, we're still uh, uh, a lot of the guys that were still their heroes and. And which is very nice when when you know walking down the street and somebody says hi, Rich, how are you doing? And you know uh, you haven't got a clue who the person is, but you know, but you talk to them. You know, my my big thing with people all the time when I meet them, especially from the Philadelphia area, is that I you know you have to make them. I make them uh, tell me their story. Where did we? Where were you when we won the cup? You know, I said you know all about my stuff, all my stories and that. I said I want to know a little bit about you. And this way, you make the pe- people feel really special, and and which I really like because I get to I get to hear their stories. I get to hear where they were at, were at if they snuck out of school to went to the parade, or they were at the game, or they seen different things that we did as as young hockey players. That's what I'm interested in. But they're interested in hearing our stories. I always tell them, you know my story already. You you know you know who I am and what I did, and I want to hear a little bit about you. And I think it's very important for myself as a person is to find out who these people are and why they're so interested in what we do. And that's, you know, and you make them feel really special because you spend that extra minute or two uh, with that person. And I think it's very important for us as, as athletes to to give back and to listen to other people instead of us taking all the praise all the time. Put it back on them and, and I think it's wonderful. And I learned so much from different people like that and, and to me, it, makes my heart warm when I listen to their stories and where they come from. You know, Reggie, that's so rare for professional athletes, especially today. But I think it's more common among hockey players than any other sport that, I, that I've seen. Well, I think that's the way that, uh, you know, we're, we were brought up. And, and I think that it's part of living in Canada is that, uh, you know, I think that, uh, uh, you know, 99% of the hockey players are, are polite and, and and everything else, and you know they're not uh, they're not into themselves and, and everything else, and 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 I think it's very important for the kids today to uh, to especially the players today that are playing in national hockey is to to give back to their communities or to their hometown or to whatever else to do them because uh, you know they can do all this stuff now because they make so much money and. Sure. And you know they can they they can go out and do their big charity things and everything else, which which uh, which is really good for everybody. Absolutely. You mentioned Mr. Snyder. What's your favorite Mr. Snyder story? Well, I think Mr. Snyder had a lot of a lot of good stories, and I think that uh, you know uh, Mr. Snyder himself is uh, you know I didn't I didn't really get to know him as well as a lot of other people and. Uh, but I, you know, I was part. I was part of uh, of their history, and I was part of Mr. Snyder's uh, uh, winning up the cups and stuff like that. And, and I think that it's uh, for him. He was always generous. He was always a generous person. He always, uh, always, always concerned of what uh, his his player his players were doing after hockey. And and to me, it's uh, very thankful. I know that he uh, he helped me out. Uh, in my years that I was struggling there for a while and and uh, and you know you you always remember those things and and to me I'm always thankful to Mr. Snyder and the Flyers and 
and those are things that uh, you always uh, remember. And for him as a, as a person, he would always, uh, uh, you know, you would meet him and he'd say hi to you, and he would always ask you what you do, and then always ask you how you were feeling and stuff like that. So it was just, it's little things that he did and, uh, of making everybody feel important. You know, uh, I don't know if you've ever read Score, which is the book that was written by Gene Hart. And in that book, he gives you credit for becoming the first person to use the term five hole. Is that something you created? No, I, I don't. I don't really know. I, I always used the, I always used the term five hole even when I was playing, playing uh, junior hockey and stuff like that. And and uh, uh, you know, I I don't really know where I got that from, or or you know, uh, but it was something that. Uh, you know, it's it's you know I was taught and practiced my shooting with the five with the five holes on a scoreboard, like in a play, piece of plywood in a net. You had the one hole, two hole, third hole, and the middle one was always the five holes. So <laughs> that's what I called it. Yeah, Jim so that's said stuck he... in my mind. So it's something that uh, you know I always believe that that was probably one of the easiest play to score goals because you know back then when goaltenders came out and they, they floated out towards you. And if you shot the puck, there's no way they they could score. They could squeeze their legs together that fast. So it's something that uh, I, I I love scoring through the five hole all the time. So now you know a lot of people say that the the players are bigger, faster, stronger today, which they are. We we, we know that. Uh, however, one of the things that I think a lot of hockey people say, or at least uh, folks who have been around hockey for a long time that the creativity is not there as much. It's much more planned out. There's much more coaching that goes into it. And, of course, the scoring is not like it used to be when you played. Do you think the game well, is as exciting today as it was back then? Well, I, you know, you know, it, it took me a while to get used to today's hockey, but I actually like it now. It's, uh, it took me a while. Right. Uh, I enjoy watching the game because the players are so skilled. Uh, if you're trying to compare it to our era, there's no comparison. Uh, hockey back when we played was, you know, there, we, we had a red line. We had to slope at the red line uh, for a two-line pass. There's none of that anymore. Um, the game today is wide open. You can't hit guys anymore. You can't hit them on the hand to disturb their stick handling and stuff like that. Uh, today, back then when we played, you went around a guy, you were going to get hacked. You were going to get hacked around the ha- uh, on the hands or arms or whatever it was, and most and ninety percent of the time you never got a penalty for it. Right. So those are those are the same biggest difference I find in hockey is that today's hockey players they have that extra half a second to a second to do something, and back then when we played you didn't you didn't uh, you didn't have that you know you try to cut around somebody or you try to get get close to somebody somebody's going to hack you, right. and 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 if you made a pass. You didn't have a chance to let, take a look at your beautiful pass going across the ice to this guy, and because as soon as you made a pass, you knew you were going to get hit by the next guy. Yeah, it didn't matter what. So yeah, that, that's the biggest off. difference in hockey today is that these guys have more. I think they have more leeway of after they make their passes, and and they have that extra time to take the shot, and that's why they can do all this fancy stuff in front of the net. Can you imagine those guys today with Eddie Van Dam and Moose Dupont in front of the net? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> they wouldn't. They wouldn't be able to stand there no. because the guys would have broke their sticks over their back or their legs or whatever it was, and you don't have you don't have that extra half a second to deep four or five times and and then make the shot. 
that's the biggest difference. You know, and, and, you know, that's a big difference in when we play it in today's play. But I love the way they play today. I think they're they're so talented and, and so such good shape. And the way they shoot the puck, everybody can shoot the puck now. And that because of the sticks. And, right. and that, that's one thing I, I notice about these guys is that, you know, they go like crazy. And, and I, you know, I enjoy the game. And, and uh, it's something that uh, it's so fast because they opened it up. Uh, there's no red line and stuff like that. So it's it's to me it's enjoyable. I feel sorry feel sorry for the poor goaltenders once in a while, but uh, uh, you know that's the that's the way they are. You know sometimes I always say the goaltenders their elevators don't go all the way up. So that's, uh, <laughs> yes. that's in that that uh, you know you have to give them credit though. It's 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 a, it's a great sport to watch and and uh, and I enjoy it uh, more than I ever have. And and that's one thing I. Uh, I like about the game right now. Do you think you need more scoring in the game today? Well, I don't really know. You know, it's 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 varies. It's going to be. I think the biggest mistake the National Hockey League made uh, <clears throat> when they they were doing all the new rinks, they should have went to Olympic size. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I think that I think maybe five, five, ten years from now, it's going to be faster yet because these kids today are so so strong. They like robots today. And, you know, like you said before, is that, you know, they they all have all this equipment on and everything else, and they, they're so fast. Everything is, to me, uh, when you watch them play set up, it's like football. It's a one play. Right. They, they've worked around, worked around until they get that one shot, special shot, and they go from there. You know, the funniest part about this is that they we're talking about it, and then it flashes in my mind. I remember back in... In the early 70s and, and uh, maybe 76 in that area between 70 and 76. And I remember our so-called, so-called uh, hockey experts in the National Hockey League at that time says, oh, we'll never play European hockey like that. We'll never play the way Europeans play. Because uh, I remember playing against the Europeans since I was 66 until 76 and watching these guys pass the puck around and wait until they get one perfect opportunity to score. And what do you think we're doing today? <laughs> Same thing what the Europeans did back in the early 60s and 70s. And that's one thing I, I laugh about every time I think about it. And, and our so-called experts back in the 70s say, oh, we'll never play that game. And that's what we're doing today. Everything is just exactly what the, what the Europeans played years ago and, you know, the way they passed the puck and it's the puck movement of the puck so fast and dumping the puck into holes and going for it and stuff like that and not shooting the puck until it's the perfect perfect time to score and 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 that's what you know what I see but it's it's you know to me it's uh, as as a hockey person and 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 still being involved with hockey and 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 for them to set something up for one perfect shot like that it's it's amazing how they can do that get these people moving it really is it really is yes. Roger, last last couple things uh, I want to ask you about. Uh, what, I, I had an interview with Mr. Snyder probably about 12, 13 years ago. And one of the things he lamented was the fact that Bernie Perron got hurt. He thought that the Flyers uh, probably had two more cups in them. As great as those Montreal teams were, and I know you got swept in 76, three of the games you lost by one goal and the last one you lost by two. If Perron had been around, do you agree with Mr. Snyder that you probably would have had two more cups? Well, it would 
we have one for sure. I think that 1976 when we lost to Montreal, like you said, we lost we lost three good games over one goal, and they beat us by uh, last game by two and an empty net goal. Uh, you got to remember too, Ricky McLeish wasn't playing either. Right, right. So it's like if you took if you took uh, Dryden away and Lafleur of Montreal's team, you know, it would have been a different story. Sure. And, you know, I think with those two guys there at the time, uh, with Bernie and and, uh, and Ricky playing, you know, maybe maybe we we could have went to seven games and beat them in seven. Sure. Uh, you know, you don't really know. But those are things that, that uh, you reflect back on. And, and I remember Mr. Dryden saying something about, oh, we, we waxed the, the Philadelphia team in 76, but he doesn't realize that we didn't have Bernie and... and uh, and Ricky McLeish at that time either. And I heard him saying that. I now that you mentioned that, I remember him saying that. And the and fact that was, that matter, that was only a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. And the fact of the matter yeah. is, even though you didn't have Bernie, you didn't have Rick McLeish, you still. I know you lost in four, but those could have gone the other way too. They were close. Well, yeah, they could have went either way. You know, I like I always tell everybody is that you know we got we got beat by. That year, I, that was the best team I ever played against. Is the '76 team, right? And in the finals, and you know, uh, and you know, thing with that, and then all of a sudden, next year they got better yet, and the following year they got better again. So those are the teams that they they built. But I, to myself, to play against them in the finals and and stuff like that, and you could see that team coming on, and and you know, I loved I loved playing against Montreal because they're a skating team and. I love to skate out there, and, and those are the things that I remember playing against Montreal. I always had good games against Montreal, so it's, it was something that that I, I like like to do. And, and uh, but for them to uh, for the team that they had in '76, it was one of the best team I ever seen. And yet, you know, I got to give them credit. They beat us four straight, and and you know, it doesn't matter if it's just part of hockey. We were missing two key players, but. You know, the thing is that uh, they could have had injuries too and stuff like that. But it's something that you know they they beat us, and and you know that's that's part of uh, uh, way way uh, hockey goes. Were you able to enjoy the Smythe Trophy that year? I know there's no I in team, and it's a, it's a team game, but you had to have some pride scoring the 19 goals and and uh, winning that Smythe. Well, you know, at the moment after you lost and everything, it was really it. You know, it was nice to win and stuff like that, but you really didn't enjoy it. I think that I think uh, you enjoy more your accomplishments uh, after hockey, after you leave the game, and you you you, you uh, reflect back onto to what happened in your hockey career and all the good moments you had and playing with special teams that I played with, especially the 1980 teams that we went 35 games without a loss. Um, you know, things like that pop up, and and you know, playing in a couple of All Star games. I got to play with Team Canada one year, and you know, stuff like that. And um, you know, it's 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 stuff that uh, you can reflect back on, and and it's always a good 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 moment. You know, uh, hockey is not always always great moments. There's times that you lost, and there's times that you have bad seasons, and but you move on. You move yeah. on with your life and, and go on. You know, it's hockey hockey itself is is. To 95% of the hockey players, it's just a, a small, small um, part of their life journey. That's all it is. You're only good from 40 years to 15 years of playing hockey, and that's a very, very small part of your life. 
And you got to move on to something else. There's some guys that stay in hockey. They that's all their their life is about is hockey. And and uh, I think sometimes it's maybe uh, uh, you know it's uh, I think it's 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 good for a lot of guys that love to do that. But you know every most most of us have to move on and and start your life over again and 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 get jobs and stuff like that. And and, and that's the way way it goes. You know, one uh, thing about that t- uh, street team, I've heard a couple of your teammates say that uh, it was really disappointing not to win the Stanley Cup on the same year that you had the streak. And do you think, like most of Philadelphia, that the officiating was really the main reason why you didn't win that Stanley Cup? Well, I think that I, think that, uh, I, I really don't know. You know, you know refere- referees are normal. They make, you know, they make... At that time, you know, when one call was really obvious offside and they scored on it. Right. Um, you know, things like that uh, probably changed it around. Uh, Plus the high stick but, goal, but, right? But we still had the opportunity to come back and, and, you know, tie the game, and we lost it in overtime and, and stuff like that. Even if you look at the overtime goal, that was actually offside too. But uh, you know, those are things that today, wouldn't those things don't, wouldn't happen anymore because of their... Of the video highlights they have and everything else. Sure. So it's yeah, it's disappointing. I mean, when you look at that streak, though, that's that's unbelievable. It's still the longest streak in North American sports history. Well, yeah, you uh, you reflect back on a lot of games, and you know things pop up in your head, or uh, something comes up in the paper, or somebody puts something on Facebook, and and you know you can actually remember a lot of the games that happened, and uh, you know it's uh, uh, I know the. Uh, the streak that we had a lot of times. I knew, I knew that there was a lot of times we were behind. I remember one time it was the score was three one, and I think there was a minute left in the game, a minute and a half left in the game against Boston, and uh, we knew we were going to tie it. It was it was that feeling that you you know you have as a streak, and next thing you know we scored goal in twenty and two goals in twenty five seconds and and tied it up to three three and. And it was other times that we were behind, and we knew we would come back and tie it up. And, and that was you know, yourself and Rick McLeish, Those are the right? feelings. That's the confidence that the way team didn't matter who played. We had injuries on that thing, and whenever we got injuries, somebody else came through and and played well for us. And and those are the things that that you know Pat Quinn as as our coach that year is probably one of my as actually was one of my best coaches that I ever I coached for and I played for and. And he had so much confidence in his players and stuff. And, you know, a lot of people really, really uh, <laughs> thought he was nuts that year because they, <laughs> they put me on telly going. Really? So. Yeah. Yeah, telly, I, yeah, I took Tony's that year. And uh, it, which wasn't bad. It was pretty good. I ended up getting, I think, five or six shorthanded penalties. Uh, I mean, shorthanded goals going well, well and killing penalties. So it was something that. Uh, you know, Mr. Sherlock would never put me on because they had the back then. They had me as a goal scorer only, and it didn't matter what. And so, you know, things like that happens. And you know, I did that all my life in junior was kill penalties, and and when I got drafted, it. But they used me as a goal scorer, so it was nothing. You know, I really never had the opportunity to to do this stuff uh, in pros. And you had fifty goals that year, right? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. 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 Did you? Uh, is can you make a comparison between uh, Fred Shiro and uh, Pat Quinn? And who, Pat Quinn? Yeah, I think Pat Quinn was more of a uh, person that would sit down with you and 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 
And, uh, you know, if you were having a bad game or you, you did something wrong out there, he would sit down with you and, 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 uh, and try to get you back on the right track and stuff like that. Freddie was different. He, he wouldn't say anything to you. He would send, him, send his assistant and say, here, this, and put little notes in your stall and, um, you know, uh, you know, stuff like that. He, you know, Freddie was no different than, than, uh, than a lot of coaches. They had their favorite players that they played and give days off and other players that had to work all the time and, and go out there and, and, uh, and, you know, do all the practices and all that stuff. So it's no, no big deal, you know, this is how coaches operate. So, yeah, but for, 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 uh, Pat Quinn itself is that Quinn was a more of a, more of a player's coach and you know he stuck up for his players it didn't matter you know with management and everything else and, and that's one thing that made Pat special and uh, I think uh, I think the Flyers made a hell of a mistake when they let him go and and in in, uh, in 82 and uh, you know I, I think that you know Pat turned out to be one of the best coaches of all time in in, in the National Hockey League yeah, a lot of players give him credit for that too, which is which is a testament to his personality and also his coaching style. Well, yeah, I think that even like the year that they let him go is that uh, you know uh, we we didn't have a bad year. It wasn't a great year, not compared to years before that. But uh, but it's something that you know I think they would we would have did better if, it, if Pat would have stayed there and then and let him straighten it out and and get him back for another year the following year. So. You know, those are things that, uh, that you know, uh, management, uh, the ownership at that time made a big mistake. Yeah. Reggie, uh, I want to first of all thank you for all the time that you've given us for the uh, the show. But before you go, I just want to ask you, uh, what, what's coming up for you? Where can people find you and find out what's going on in your life? Well, most of the time people, if they're looking for me, I'm on Facebook. I'm a big Facebooker. Um, <laughs> I, get, I get 90% of my business off Facebook. Okay. And so, that, which is which is good. It's just, just under my name, Reggie Leach. Uh, if they want to contact me of anything. Uh, plus, also, I play. I actually still play hockey. It's nice. you know, only thing wrong with it is that I uh, the ice is too slow today. <laughs> yeah. So I got to blame it on the Zamboni guys that make the ice. We got to work on them, Reggie. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I got to do that. And then uh, actually, I play with them. I play with them. Um, NHL Native Alumni Team. We have a bunch of uh, First Nation players that played in the National Hockey League, and we go to a lot of these northern communities with our team, and we get we have the opportunity to play against their local teams and stuff like that. And plus, but only not only in the hockey part of it. We all we go to visit schools, really? and we tell our stories. Everybody has a story we tell, and you know there's seven or eight of us that travel together and. And we go to these, uh, these high schools, we talk to the kids about life choices and what we're doing, and everybody has their own own little story to tell and how how they got to the National Hockey League, where they came from, and how hard it was when they were younger. And and it is it is possible to leave the community and be successful and to go out and, 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 and be... Uh, go after your dreams and stuff like that and then come back to your community and help out later on when you're older. Um, so everybody that plays has their own little story. Everybody talks. Then we do a two-hour ice session with the kids in their community and run a quick um, uh, 
teaching of hockey on ice with the kids and stuff like that. Then we then we have a, a community function where the whole community comes together, and usually I speak at that community at that time and do my half hour speech to everybody and 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 uh, we sign autographs. Then we play the hockey game and then we move on to the next community. And right now we're we're on our way to uh, in March. We are on our way to uh, Old Crow Yukon. Uh, we're up way up north. Another place we're going to is Pelly Crossing, uh-huh. NBC, and then we're going to Kelson, and then we're going to Watson Watson Lake. So we we're on the road for seven days for that, and then um, after that, then I'm, I'm involved with. Chuck knows this one. I'm, I'll be involved with the little NHL out of Mississauga this year. Oh, okay, right outside of yeah, Toronto, right? Yeah, which is going to be the 11th to the 15th in in Mississauga, and that's the biggest, uh, probably one of the biggest First Nation tournaments across Canada. There's going to be 220 teams there from Little Tykes right up to Midget Age, both men and women. And uh, then I'm back up north again to Garden Hill, Manitoba, back in mid-March uh, for a hockey school with the Shoot the Score program with Jamie and I. And uh, and things just keep popping up, so I, I really don't know. You know, it's, uh, it's something that uh, I like doing. I love I love meeting people. I love going to these communities and see every community you go to is different. And you always learn. And, and you know, the thing with myself is that that I I love make uh, I love me meeting people and I love what I do for uh, for my life right now is that it's, it's more rewarding than what I do today than when I did in the National Hockey League National Hockey League and playing with the Philadelphia Flyers and playing in that great game of hockey was just a stepping stone for me to what I do today and uh, wow. and working with the youth the First Nation youth across the country and and. And trying to get them on the right track, and and, and talking to uh, different people along the way is that that's who I am today, and, and that's what uh, I love doing, and I think it's very important for myself to give back to to these communities and get and let them know my experience, what I had, and what I went through, and and even if I if I talk to four or five hundred kids, and if I can get three or four to listen, and and that it's it's it'll be a wonderful thing. But I would like to have more to listen and get them going and get them into hockey, get them get them on the right track. And those and those are the things that I like. Well, Reggie, you know that we love you down here in Philadelphia. We're all uh, huge fans of yours, and and we thank you for all the the great things you did here. But this has been a real treat for me to learn more about you as a person. So I really appreciate your time today. Good. You're you're, you're welcome, and thanks for having me on on board and. Uh, Maybe I'll maybe I'll get hired and do some speaking in the Philadelphia area. I would love to love to do that. Can you check in with us and let us know? I can do that. Yes. Sounds great, Reggie. I really appreciate it. Okay, guys, take care yeah. and uh, thanks again. You too, Reggie. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the great Reggie Leach, former Flyer, member of the LCB line, and in my opinion, a Hall of Famer. Hey, Chuck, how great was that interview? You know what? Like, <laughs> I love Reggie Leach. Yeah. I just do because, like, he's just so vulnerable and raw in his sharings about, um, you know, the shortcomings in his story, in his life. And uh, and he's just so helpful and wanting to share to, to young kids in his community, um, you know, how not to go down that road and how to live a life of, you know, of happiness. Right. 
Right. And I'll tell you what, I, just a quick story. I didn't get a chance to share with Reggie during the interview. I didn't want to hold him up any longer, but uh, he got to know my cousin. Uh, they used to be at an auction together in South Jersey, and she used to call him Grandma. And uh, just as a, a, a fun name, you yeah. know, as a, as a friend. Endearment. Yeah, it, it, name of endearment. And, and she really liked that. She got a kick out of that. She passed away a few years ago, and uh, she really, uh, every time I saw her, she would talk about Reggie. So You know, and, and Reggie brought up in the interview as well, which I really love, that, you know, he always takes a moment to talk to people about where they were, you know, because, like, in his in his life, he has the view of where he was when he won the Stanley Cup. Right. But, you know, like exponentially when it comes back to Philadelphia or anybody who watched his career, uh, he gets another insight into, you know, what happened in their life of where yeah. were you when you saw me do this or you saw us win the Stanley Cup. And uh, and I know he gets a big kick out of those stories as well. So He does. You know what? It's funny because the, the uh, Eagles just won the Super Bowl. And one of the things that the players were doing in the parade, they had their own video cameras. And yeah. They were videotaping us, the yeah. people who are watching the parade. Yeah. So Reggie is getting that. He couldn't get it through video back then, but he's getting it through the stories. So. You know, there's like that line, people helping people is powerful stuff. It really is. Yeah. That's what we're all about here. You know, I really enjoyed that interview and, I, and you know, for, for Reggie to share, you know, what he's going to and uh, what we're going to do is we'll put the links up on the website. Okay. Uh, so yeah. that way you'll yeah. know where to find Reggie Leach, uh, you know, if you want to go down and meet him at the little uh, NHL in Mississauga in the beginning of March. You know, he's got a book signing there as well. Um, he's more than accessible as well. And, uh, you know, he's just a great guy with some great stories. He is. He really is. And yeah. I'm really glad I got a chance to talk to him today. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So you're going to go to the list, find out where your links are. And uh, thanks for listening today. Just anything more before we go? Just want to say, come back. We're going to have many more shows with many more great people like Reggie Leach. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Sounds good. Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo and the Warrior Life were produced by Faders Unstunned Studios for Listen Up Talk Radio. If you have a comment, reach out, feedback at radiothatdoesnsuck.com or call us on our contact line, 1-866-269-6155.